Hey, Jason Rice here with Lot Party. And again, a little description of the show. You know, if you've ever worked in a dealership and uh, done a lot party, you know what that means. You get out there and you stir that uh, lot up around, move cars around to maybe get them in the hot spot, or maybe you put the trucks to the front or to the back and the cars over here and over there. Basically stirring up the inventory for all that lot traffic to make that lot look different. Or maybe it's just snowed and you got to go out there and clear out the snow and have a big lot party. Everybody's involved. Well, that's what this show's about. But we're talking about your virtual lot. Maybe we need to stir up your virtual lot to drive more traffic. Or again, maybe have something like a mess out there, like a bunch of aged inventory, and we got to clean it up. So again, this is what that this is what this show is all about. And what we're going to talk about today is I want to interview and go over these Highline stores, Infinity Acre, BMWs, Mercedes, these type of stores that are Highline stores that try to do velocity because that's a big struggle for a lot of these stores. A couple reasons why, where and how they got to buy those cars. One, they got to deal with a lot of transportations. Two, they got to bid up really high for these cars. Three, a lot of them are certifying them. That costs a lot of money to not just certify them, but then the parts and everything. And then also do have to do with parts holds and things like that. So very few dealerships that are Highline stores do a successful uh, velocity. Now some of the stores, which is acceptable, instead of doing a 60-day turn policy on those type of cars, they may be pushing out to 75 to 90 on their quote-unquote core cars, like their, if they're Infinity store, their Infinities. Uh, but then they do a 60-day philosophy on anything else that they carry on their lot, the Chevys and the Fords and whatever else they might have on their lot, which again is acceptable as long as they keep that lean and clean on these Highline stores. But just like I said last week on these small town dealerships, a lot of them will say, hey, Jason, I'm a small town. My market's a little different. The laws of velocity, laws of money management is no different if you're a Highline store or a small town a domestic store. And that is turning those dollars. A 5 or 10% shift in market on a 60 gram Mercedes is a bigger impact than on a 15 grand focus. Either way, it's a good chunk of money. But when you talk about a 10% adjustment, maybe over 60, 90 day period on 60 grand, we know that's $6,000. On a 15 grand car, it's only 1,500. Now, equally, they might have the same amount of markup, but those two, 3% shifts in market, which happen sometimes within two, three weeks on any given car, are making a bigger impact on these higher dollar stuff. So I think, if anything, your higher end dealership, these cars that have these high, uh, average investment dollars, these dealerships out there with those high Im average investment dollars need to be more efficient with that inventory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to interview a dealer that runs a lean and clean inventory of an Akron Infinity store. And then I'm also going to bring in a sister store. It's a Jaguar uh, Land Rover store and his new adoption to Velocity. He just came around about a month ago, and, and you know he used to be, you know, let's uh, hope and change. Let's hope I can get somebody to pay too much for my car, or maybe that the market changes, and he's holding on to these high-dollar inventory, and it was costing him. And he was back and forth on the philosophy, but over the last month, he's kind of converted. So we're going to interview with both of those together, and we're going to actually go over, you know, what the benefits are, what the struggles are, and some of what are these best practices. So let's go right in the interview because I'm sure we're going to be debating back and forth for a bit. Thanks. Hey guys, 
Hey, Jason. This is Jason Rice. I'm going to be interviewing here. we got Sean and Mark. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Again, these are dealers that are running a really tight ship, running Highline stores, Akron Infinity, and a, and a Land Rover Jag store. So first, I'll, uh, I'll start with you guys. Uh, Sean, let's go ahead and start with you. Introduce yourself, your position, your store, and maybe a little bit more information about you know just some of your background in the car business. Uh, yeah, my name is Sean Gleason. I'm the general manager at Joe Bullard Acura and Infinity Mobile. Uh, we do about you know about 100 cars a month between both stores, uh, roughly 50 and, and, and 50 to 60, 50 at Acura and 50 to 60 at Infinity. Um, predominantly we use uh, our new cars. Um, and we run about 20 to 25 new per store a month, uh, and used you know between 30 and 38 per store a month. Um, we've mm -hmm. grown that over the past two years uh, to where we can do a hundred cars a month. Um, Mobile isn't a very big city; it's a very old city. Uh, we've got about uh, Mark and I were talking about 250,000 people in Mobile. Mobile. Uh, we've also run a bunch of numbers to where, uh, for instance, December we only sold about 35 percent of the market to the city of Mobile. Mm. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, outside uh, Mobile City, uh, we've got Gulfport, Mississippi, is 45 minutes away. Pensacola, Florida, is 45 right. minutes away. Baldwin um, uh, County is, is a big part of our uh, market, which is the county neighboring to us, uh, closer to uh, Pensacola, um, and uh, is, a, it is a, a, a bigger market for us as far as luxury cars are concerned. Um, I've now, been in the car, I've been in the car business my whole life as far as work is concerned. Uh, okay. I got uh, I got introduced uh, I got asked to come sell cars four days after I turned 21 because I got I could put on the insurance, but um, and then I, I sold cars for a year and then I graduated from college with a finance degree and I got into uh, an F and I position here at this at this company and uh, I did that for five years um, and then after I got through doing finance I I got asked to be a used car inventory manager. Um, my dad was a wholesaler in town. He was a wholesaler for about 15 years, and uh, so I had a pretty good grasp on the wholesale market and, and buying and selling. And so I did that for almost four years, and then uh, I was general sales manager uh, for a year for this campus, uh, Joe Bullard back here in Infinity Mobile, and just recently became the general manager. So uh, excited to see what this other side of the world uh, revolves around as far as service is concerned. So it'll be interesting to yeah. learn sticks, but uh, that's me. Well, two things on this one. I know you've been the kind of velocity mindset pretty much your whole career managing used car inventory. But I want to maybe hit you up a little bit later here, talk about some of that nuances that your dad kind of brought. Because I know I think he was pretty big in town there, which really kind of set you up for where you're at. And then to Mark, uh, let, let you introduce yourself. But you've kind of, uh, and again, we'll dig in more into this, but kind of come to your way about doing velocity instead of the hope and change or hope, you know, driving that high volume. So, Mark, go ahead and introduce yourself, too. I'm Mark Heider. I'm the general manager at Jaguar Land Rover Gold Coast. I've been in the car business since 1995. Uh, most of my experience is, uh, was as a new car sales manager. Uh, I've been a general sales manager. I've been with our company since June of 2004. And the used car side, I decided I wanted to be in charge of that for a little while, so if I'm going to hire a used car manager, I'd have a better idea what was going on. I've always been under the principle of gross, 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 but after doing a simple inventory analysis, a turn analysis, seeing how much more money I can make by turning more inventory, and then having some big wholesale losses with a highlight store, um, decided to give velocity a try. Did it for a month, and it was very successful. 
And then I decided to stop doing it for the month of December because we sold so many cars. And Jason, as you know, it's about the 10th day in. We weren't selling anything, and so we got aggressive. And, and so really, in the last 50 days, um, we sold 70 cars, roughly. You know, and so I'm running out of cars. I'm, I'm trying to buy cars right now. Yeah. You know that's that's the that's the the hard part about it is just keep feeding the beast. You know once you do get to that, and then it's just a matter of feeding the beast. Now, as you both your stores are starting to move in velocity into that that turn, because I think I was you know we're looking at your numbers earlier, Sean. You know you're initially I know we've been working together for a few months now, and your turn was about ten or eleven. Now it's touched up in the fifteens and stuff, um, and stays around thirteen to fifteen turns now. Um, both of you guys, I guess one can answer it each time. You know, what's the biggest challenge right now uh, with the inventory as you as you dialing down that velocity and getting rid of age and turn that inventory quicker? What would you say is the biggest challenge? Turnaround time, buying. I mean, I know all of them are, but what's the biggest one right now? Probably, I think buying is a, is a large part of it. I mean, being that I, we don't have, you know, I'm a, I know Mark can attest to this too. You know, we're not selling 50, 60, 70 new cars a month to where we get a bunch of trade in. Uh, or, yeah. I mean, I'm selling, you know, 20 to 30, depending on, at each store. Uh, and typically your new cars is where you get nice new car trades, uh, you know, yeah. that you can certify and sell and buy them at the price that you can get them for. You don't have to worry about paying the auction, paying to transport them here. Uh, you get to, you get to see it, taste it, touch it, smell it kind of thing and, and, and get to put your number on the car and then get to justify your number to the customer. So obviously not having enough trades, uh, that, that's really kind of been the importance of it. We don't miss car deals based on trade. You know, uh, you know, Jason has shown me a couple little tricks, you know, as far as, yeah, we want to make $3,000 on each trade-in, but really that not all cars justify $3,000 gross profit when we go to do that appraisal in the auto. So, you know, the, the, there's different terms that we're using, but the key to it is is to make sure that you appraise the car with the right recon because if you miss that, that's where you can really miss the boat, especially if you're going to put an extra grand into the vehicle, um, you know, if to get the car. Uh, so in, in turn, yeah, I think acquisition of vehicles is the biggest uh, hurdle that we have because uh, you know just everybody else is trying to buy cars too and fighting against you know the car maxes of the world and, and, uh, and, and the big stores. So. Yeah, you know, I was just talking to a dealer today, smaller town but domestic, uh, looking over appraisals. I think they were looking at a car where we just didn't have the equity, and they they assumed about eight hundred in recon, but it was off by like six hundred dollars. And when we looked at it, it's really about thirty percent of that car's value, um, you know, that there are of the recon value, I'm sorry, 30% off on recon numbers, you know, really was 1300. We, we missed almost 50% of our actual recon cost. So dialing that recon dollar down and getting really specific about it is real important. Now, Mark, are you running through the same challenges or a little something different? Yeah, I mean, acquiring vehicles is in this, this because I've done selling cars so quickly. Like right now, you know, we looked today, we had a meeting today. I've got 29 cars in inventory and I'm sitting on 26 cars for the month, got two going right now. I'm going to sell, you know, almost 40 cars and I'm going to only have 20 on the ground. So, yeah. I mean, I've got to get the cars. You know, and I can always, I can already think or hear what people are thinking out there. Well, it's easy. You know, they only got 29, 30, 50 cars. You know, try to do that with, uh, you know, 100, 150 Highline. And, and I think it's just as, it, it, I mean, it's just as challenging, if not more, because I just did an interview. My last show was on a small dealer. One, that small, that manager 
he tries to do everything. He has to, I mean, this photo person's missing for a week. He's doing photos. He's doing all these other things. So one, he doesn't have the manpower. Two, one mistake on 30 cars, especially when you're talking a 50, 60, 70 grand car, you're off 5%. I mean, that could blow your whole month, right? On just one or two cars. Yeah. So yeah, you don't have some of that volume to make up some of those mistakes. So dealers, that the first thing, you, you know, for the people watching this, they go, well, you know, they've got small enough inventory. It should be easy for them. There's a lot bigger challenges. So, uh, one of the challenges, and I think you, you hit on it a little bit about appraising cars. Uh, a lot of dealerships are hesitant to do proxy bids or bid online and not go touch feel the car. Uh, you know, what percentage, especially when you're buying thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar cars, uh, I, I think your avenue is a little bit more trustworthy of buying cars, kind of a little bit sight unseen. But you know, how much are you actually buying at the lane, physically buying at the lane versus buying, you know, on the online and having them shop uh, ship to your store? I mean, Mark and I both, none of us go to the auction. 100% online. 100% online. I actually yeah. do a few proxy bids that someone doesn't normally do that. But. So you guys are buying 30, 40, 50 plus grand cars sight unseen in a way. You're well, online, yeah, right? everything's condition reported. I mean, you got condition reported. Yeah, condition course, report. You know, auction Photos. things of that nature. I mean, we can we can paint the picture. We just got to get creative with it and make sure all the pictures yeah. are there and, and, and be, you know, and, and make sure we can cross all our, you know, T's and dot all so for some of those dealers that are hesitant, oh, I'm sorry, Mark, did I interrupt you? You know, like if uh, you know, a certain auction, if the car stays for 30 seconds, they're probably three thirty seconds, and you're probably going to replace at least half of them. So uh, you just learn that after a couple of times. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, they're represented pretty well. Uh, if you buy 10 of them, you know, six or seven of them be exactly what they say. Well, and some guys just want to touch the car, you know, regardless of condition report and everything else, because they say there's things to be missed. But I, you know, one of the things I think I try to let dealerships understand too: the more you bid online, the more you get to know the auctions. A 3.5 or 3.8 condition report in Chicago might be totally different than Absolutely. you know the one in Jersey, right? So exactly. you start learning those nuances, and you then you can overcome those, right? Yeah. No different than going to the auction. And you know, a certain auctioneer is, you know making up bids that somebody's outbidding you stuff. I mean, there's this way you learn auctioneers, you can learn the condition reports online. Yeah, and, I, um, and I've been introduced, i got a buyer down in Orlando that, that does a lot of work for us. Um, I introduced him to Mark, and, and he's been buying cars for Mark as well, uh, which has been a very great thing for us. I know that he, you know he's probably done well for Mark, and he does great for me. He buys probably two or three cars a week for me. Uh, so then I, I still get some of that, you know, in the lane, non, non-condition report, you know, uh, touch the car for me and I trust them 100% so that's just a small part of, of how we get cars but Jason okay. you know what's not hard anymore what's that it's priced enough easy mm-hmm. it's not it's not yeah. there's it, it's so simple that if you don't it doesn't matter what you own the car for anymore if you just price it the way you're supposed to price it that's the easiest part of my job like now when we have meetings we don't really talk about it that much yeah once you believe yeah, you know, believer now that, well, that's a good point to bring up, and that's what I want to kind of discuss here. One of the things I challenge dealers with, because a lot of times they say, well, I can't price a car. I don't know. It hasn't been through service. I don't know why I own on it yet. And, I'll, and I, I would ask them, well, to me it makes perfect sense, is can you appraise a car with a customer without knowing their payoff? And they go, well, yeah. The same thing. Because the car is worth what it is. Yeah, it's the same concept. So is that, have you always priced out the gate? And maybe this is more for Mark than it is Sean, but, I mean, have you, is that something you just overcame and that is helping you with velocity as far as a tip to some of these dealers? Oh, uh, sure. I used to just mark them up $4,000 or whatever, and then lower it at 15 days and at 30 days and at 60 days. 
So you used <laughs> so you I, sat on I them until forty five days. Yeah. Well, I you know one of the things I've kind of I just talk to dealers about, and I say you know that that strategy they uh, don't want to get political here, and I'm not making sides here, but the Obama strategy is either hope and change, either hope that somebody comes in and pays too much for that vehicle, or that the market changes and your price becomes relevant. And that's where a lot of dealerships do sit on, especially the high dollar dealerships, because they don't want to make a $500 deal or even a $1,000 deal on a 50 grand car that they certified and spent two grand to certify the thing. Um, the, key but, to it, the key to it, in my opinion, is just take all car deals. You know, I mean, we're not, we're, we live in a town and a market where we don't get a whole bunch of opportunity. You know, it's not, uh, being that we are luxury, we're, and, and we're not, um, you know, we're, we're not a volume store. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to become a volume store, and that's where that's what we're trying mm-hmm. to push on, on our actors and attendees. But it, it's very difficult. Um, so the key to it is take all car deals because you don't have people lining up to look at that exact same car tomorrow or or the next day. And so uh, every car deal makes sense, uh, especially when we price them accordingly and, and we build value in the vehicle. And, uh, you know the price gets them in, and they've looked at our car online, and they've got uh, they they have time they know all about more about the vehicle than my salespeople do. So uh, you know there's that that's that to me you know is just my biggest thing is whether it's a five hundred dollar deal, a two thousand dollar deal, whatever, and then also to giving my finance department the, the the chance because they're strong and I lean on them and, and, and they're my horse. So uh, them, them running you know twelve thirteen hundred dollars a copy. Sure makes it a little bit easier to take that two hundred, three hundred, oh, yeah. or, or fifteen, or or thousand dollar loser. You know, we've had you know three thousand yeah. dollar back end deals where we lost fifteen hundred on the front. That's a fifteen hundred dollar car deal. That's great. So, uh, yep. you know, that, that's where I've had to put my eggs in this basket. You know, with the cost of certification, the amount that it charges to get it to certified, um, and because we have to represent the brand, and, and you have to do those things. And the manufacturer requires you to. So, um, it, you got to live in that world. So, Sean, have you going back to your father being a wholesaler, and again, I think we talked about this before. His father, he's pretty well known in town, and tends to be sometimes in my mindset the wholesaler is that old school car guy that's all about the gross and all about the average. So, you know, getting into the business and all, and, and kind of growing up that way, was that your mindset initially, or have you always kind of understood the velocity and the turn? I got, I got like kind of lucky. Um, you know, obviously, my dad being a wholesaler, you know, he he was always. He always told me, you know, you work to use car man like you work a retail customer, and it's just unfortunately the margins are lower. But whenever I came into an inventory manager position, um, you know, this was that was probably five or six years ago now. Um, that was when Viata was up and coming. Dale Pollitt was writing books. He talked about velocity, and, and of course we read those books. And so that was at that time that was the way of the age. That's what we had to do was turn, 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 and. You know, us being a, a, a print, a luxury store. I mean, we're on a 60-day turn, and it's and it's tight. I mean, it is it is very difficult to do. Um, you know, we got to lean on our service department and on our on our detail shop to get everything ready. But you know, I, I never really kind of had that mindset. And my mine was, if you sell enough vehicles um, and you turn them fast, then it really then the gross profit's going to come. And so my my mindset isn't where am I at month to date gross profit. It is how many cars do I have out. You know, typically on the 20th or about right now, I'll start looking at that gross and saying, man, we're going to be in a hole or, 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 or we're not. But nine times out of ten, if you sell enough vehicles, it takes care of itself. Uh, so, you know, having that mindset, my, my dad, would he, he doesn't know anything about that. He didn't know anything about velocity or, or that yeah. turn. And, but also, too, they didn't have the Internet. 
You know, they didn't have that as their sure. biggest marketing strategy, and everything that you have to do now lives there. So I think that with the change in time, the change in, you know, turning of the guard, that you, you have to be there or you're not going to make it. Well, you know what, I, you, you bring that up. I think most wholesalers get it internally, though, because they're sitting on a car. They go, those guys get rid of the car within a few days. They figure okay. out a buyer. They don't buy it without knowing somebody that they can dump today. They don't hold on to cars 30 days just to wait for that right guy to come buy it. They'll go dump it within a day or two. So directionally, they, they kind of understand it because they got to get off of it to free that dollars up so they can go buy the next car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Mark, now, as... As Sean's going through that transition in his career and over the last few years, you kind of were, I, I guess, exposed to it, but you kind of fought it. What was the biggest challenge for you to overcome looking at that? Other than this saying you've always been a gross guy, but, you know, when guys are saying, yeah, but, yeah, but this and yeah, but that, when they're talking about velocity, what was your biggest, you know, objection to it? I mean, it was still the mindset. I've been graded that way forever. And we've always looked at gross for profit. How much you make on a car deal? And even recently, I, I, I traded in a, a non-brand, but it was a luxury car. I looked at the day supply on it was 180 days, and so I appraised it so I could be the number one priced car in the market. I sold it the very next day. I made $3,500. My, my first thought was I didn't have a market behind it. But my return on investment was a third, uh, and so it made complete sense. But I'm just so conditioned to looking at growth and. That was still my first thought, you know, that I'm, I might have missed some money there. Um, yeah. And, and it's a car that I don't perform well with. I've had a few of them and all got hold of them. So yeah. it's made a huge difference. Well, and there's two things that I always notice with managers. One, one of the worst things that can happen to a used car manager is they make three or four grand on that 70-day-old car because a lot of times we think we could do that again. Hey, remember that car? We made four grand. Let's hold out. One, but two, that, that you go home on car deals like that that sold so quick, you, you, you have nightmares that you go, man, I cheap sold that car. I could have got another 500 grand, but you don't know what you don't know. You know, again, if they don't, uh, they, that customer never may never have came in. They, they might have skipped over your car, went buy something else, and that next buyer just isn't at the doorstep yet. So what happens? You think it's just going to be one car that I'm going to do that on, that I'm going to not get yeah. rid of, and I'm not, not going to price it right. And the next thing you know, you got six of them, and now you're having, now you have issues. So, I would say, you know, again, I appreciate you guys' time. And one of the couple things I want to wrap up here, we got a couple minutes. I know turnaround time's a big struggle. We are just talking about that today with the photo management stuff. What, um, What's your average turnaround time right now for you guys? Well, we just came off of a December where every store's having the best month ever. And so the turnaround time was, I don't know, 10 days, you know, 11 days. Yeah. Now, yeah. between the, I mean, I'm getting cars out in two days. Yeah, yeah, mine, mine's, mine's probably you know five max. But it's pretty efficient five. now. Yeah, and that all equals dollars. That faster that you could turn those those that that turnaround time, and, and especially you know some of the stores take advantage of doing um, auction photos, three or four of those auction photos until that car's ready through the service and in and out. Or yeah, sometimes you're taking. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, just to have something on there, you know? Yeah, yep. And you're missing those SRPs and those VDPs, if, if not, and you're spending all that money to get those SRPs and VDPs, and we're wasting it when those photos aren't there. And I guess as we wrap up here, um, what, is, what would you say to those highline dealers that, you know, still are fighting that, that, that pushback, what would be, 
uh, one of the one tip that you'd give the dealer is say, hey, if you just focus on this and get over this, what would that be? And Sean, I'll start with you. Go get an ROI calculator and just plug it in. Because yeah. if you do that, then uh, you'll understand that that's where you got to live. That by turning the inventory, you will make a lot more gross and a lot more net dollars, especially on the net side. Um, yeah. and, and, and you'll have you'll have better chemistry in your showroom because you'll be selling more cars. Everybody will be more happy. Uh, you know, your finance department's going to get more turns. They're going to believe in the system. You're going to create buy-in, but it's got to start yeah. at the top. Yep, and more trades. And another thing I bring up, but I think dealers don't weigh in these reviews nowadays. I mean, when it, to me they, they've got to be worth a few a hundred, two hundred bucks. I mean, literally, there's. I don't think, especially on a big ticket item, I haven't looked at reviews. I mean, my wife looking at refrigerator looked at reviews. She would say, "Yeah, I like the refrigerator, but it had bad reviews." And, and so, to get a happy customer that gets a great deal, you get them to get you some good reviews, and man, that's good ROI. But it's not you don't see that in the, in the, in the bottom dollars. But when people see that. They come in with that mindset that you guys take care of your customers, and then they're willing to pay a little bit more for that type of service. And when they you, they can see good reviews on your stores, and they come in and get treated well, I think that allows you to hold some of that gross. And so, Mark, what would to you what would be that one tip? Uh, you can sell anything. I meet highline dealers all the time, and all that they just sell their own product and wholesale everything yeah. else. If you, if, if you just studied each car like it was a house, and you're going to represent it that way, like you're going to you're going to be the realtor. And price it accordingly, appraise it accordingly, acquire it accordingly, uh, market it accordingly. You can sell anything. You just have to be in the right spot and market it. You know? Yeah, good point. Yep, and, and you know, that's, we were just talking, uh, Sean and I, about growing that inventory and where there's those opportunities and, you know, other makes and models. You know, sometimes we buy the uh, the same thing over and over again. We're only going to have a certain amount of growth. But, you know, to be able to then pick out other things or keep those trades instead of dumping them you know that's great insight there so here guys i appreciate your time you know i hope this brings value to dealers out there um you know again you guys are doing a wonderful job you guys have your best months ever again you guys are highline stores are in the double digits on your turn and i really appreciate you guys sharing everything you know you guys know hey jason my turn is going from um, eight to 13 in just three months we've been doing yep Yep, that's a great job, and I, you know, I think we obviously we could continue that. And once, I, you know, I try to get dealerships running at that efficiency for three, four, five months. Once you do, then you start adding it and start adding units, five units, ten units, because yeah. you can't just go and throw a bunch of hey, let's go, hey, we sold thirty now, let's go sell fifty and throw another twenty units at it because yeah. you turnaround time can't handle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So slowly grow that, and you guys will start getting that both volume and gross. And there is that holy grail. A lot of dealers think they have to get one or the other, but you really can get volume and gross. And I guess you guys could prove that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, appreciate your time again. We're gonna wrap up here. Thanks, guys, and enjoy the rest of your week. So Jason's back here, and it was a great interview, both with Sean and Mark. Again, these are Highline dealerships. They're smaller town dealerships, but if these guys can do it, man, anybody can do it. And those are good tips at the end. Don't just get rid of stuff that you're not used to selling because you can sell anything. And then look at that ROI. Not just your average, you know, R, uh, not just your average gross, but look at that ROI. How fast are you turning those dollars, and how fast uh, can you increase that gross? And that ROI is going to be real important for your stores. I appreciate you watching this show because I know you got plenty of things going on. 
on either watching it live or record it. Now next week, I'm actually going to talk about turnaround time. I'm going to have both one, a dealer, but two, the, the service manager and what it takes on their end because we hear about it on our end as sales managers and stuff. We go talk to them and, and talk about the importance of turnaround time, but you know, some service people just don't understand or know what our goals are and what the objections are. And, and a, lot, a lot of our successful stores have their dealerships read Dale Pollack's Velocity book. So the service people, the F&I people, everybody's on the same page to get that velocity going. That's a good tip for you. But that's what's going to happen next week. We're going to have an interview both with the dealership and the service guy and talk about some best practices that they do on the service end and the, and the detail end and the reconditioning end to get these cars turned around within you know three to five days. So I hope you join me next week. I look forward to uh, that interview. Thanks for your time.